Lord Jesus and Heavenly Father, thank you oh so much for the already many things you've poured upon us, so many blessings, and now yet another chance to get back into your word. Help us now as we do that to understand it, apply it in the right way. Thank you so much as we pray in Jesus' precious holy name. Amen. Continuing our Exploring the Word series in 1 John, pick it back up in 1 John chapter 3. Now we know this letter is focused on speaking to the Christians. It reads, Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, the us is the born-again Christians, that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. We can take confidence in knowing that however he chooses to be, in whatever form he chooses to be in, that he's going to allow us to be in that same form. Now, we don't know for sure what form that is. That's what John is talking about. Now, John was a personal face-to-face experience that he had with Jesus Christ after his resurrection. So he saw the resurrected body of Jesus Christ. And John was also witness to the transfiguration when Jesus transformed in front of them. Him and Peter and, and Andrew were all there, but... He doesn't say that's the kind of body that we're going to have. So we don't know exactly. Because he, where he says, it does not yet appear. So he don't know for sure. So what form is it going to be in? How beautiful, how glorious, how awesome it's going to be. But he's going to allow us to be that same way. The one who has ultimate power and authority, able to speak everything into existence, whatever form he chooses, that's going to be awesome. And then it'll allow us to be in that same form and then be on that beautiful brand new earth he's going to have for us and be able to enjoy all the blessings of that. A lot to look forward to. Verse 3, And every man that hath this hope, that hope again is that confidence in it, that hope in him purifieth himself even as he is pure. Whosoever committeth sin transgresseth also the law, for sin is the transgression of the law. Now the law here he's speaking of is the commandments, the commandments of God. The commandments that we can go back and look at. The law that he gave to the Jews very early on is some 613 statutes, ordinances, and commandments of the Old Testament. Is that what he's speaking of? No, because Jesus Christ fulfilled that law the two that he really focused on are the two that we read quite often in Matthew chapter 22, where he says, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like unto it, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Focusing on that. Because when you do those two, it blankets all the others. Because you're not going to be lying and stealing and, and cheating if you have that love. Therefore, it covers it all. So that's what he's focusing on, is that love. If we really have that love and show that love, and we really have that relationship with God, he's going to communicate to us by way of the Holy Ghost and let us know what is right, right, what is right, what is wrong, 
what to do and what not to do. Whosoever committed sin transgresseth also the law, for, the, for sin is the transgression of the law. And ye know that he was manifested to take away our sins, and in him is no sin. Manifested, it means revealed to us. He came down to take on flesh so he could be the ultimate sacrifice for all of us. Whosoever abideth in him sinneth not. Whosoever sinneth hath not seen him, neither know him. Does this mean a born-again Christian will never commit a sin? No, it doesn't. You've got to look a little deeper. What was he talking about? What was the, the behavior that he was speaking of? Was a continuous sinning with no feeling of remorse, with no regret, thinking that it's just fine, you can do whatever you want, that you're not bound by the law, and that you can just do what you want. If you're in that situation, then you don't have a relationship with God anyway because you're not wanting to please God. You just wanting to please yourself. And that's what he's speaking of there. A habitual sinner, because he gave us the words in John chapter 2 and in verse 1. My little children, these things write I unto you that ye sin not. Talking to the children, which are the Christians, that ye sin not. And if any man sin... We have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. Let us know that. And if we do stumble, if we mess up, we have a spokesman, an advocate, Jesus Christ, pleading our case and able to take care of washing us clean of that. Because like he said back up there in verse 9 of chapter 1, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now, this doesn't mean that you get born again and again and again. No, you get born again once. Does this mean you're going to be perfect and sinless the rest of your existence once you become born again? No. Does this mean that no matter what you do as a born-again Christian, it doesn't count as a sin? doesn't mean that either. Because he tells us in here that the wrath of God cometh upon the children of disobedience. So he's speaking of children. Children are born-again Christians. If a Christian sins, the wrath of God can come upon them. So you've got to be very careful. You don't want the wrath of God to come upon you. You don't want that held against you come judgment day. So you've got to keep it prayed up. To constantly keep it prayed up. Stay in constant communication with the Lord. Prayer is communication. So you wake up in the morning, you start communicating with the Lord, and you keep that connection throughout the whole day. That will help keep you from going back into some sins of some sort that you went back into and stumbled and messed up. But don't just carry it around. Let the devil beat you up with it, saying, well, if you sinned, then you must not be a Christian, so you might as well just get back into your sinful life. Sometimes that happens to people. They backslide and they never come out of it. But that means, were they never saved? Possibly. We cannot tell. That's for the Lord to tell. But we know that if we do stumble, we can go to the Lord. Lord, forgive me and get forgiveness for it. But if you have a constant sin, if you have a constant behavior that you know is against the will of the Lord, and you keep doing it and over and over, then you're not born again anyway. You need to get it right. And you know that He was manifested to take away our sins, and in Him is no sin. Whosoever abideth in Him sinneth not. Whosoever sinneth hath not seen Him, neither know Him. Little children, let no man deceive you. He that doeth righteousness is righteous, even as he is righteous. He that committeth sin is of the devil, 
for the devil sinneth from the beginning. For this purpose the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. Whosoever is born of God doth not commit sin, for his seed remaineth in him, and he cannot sin because he is born of God. In this the children of God are manifest, revealed. You will be known by your fruits, your behaviors. If you're a constant sinner, then you're not a Christian anyway. That's what he's saying. In this the children of God are manifest, and the children of the devil. Whosoever doeth not righteousness is not of God, neither he that loveth not his brother. Going back to that love. See, if you don't have the two great commandments in your life and fulfilling those in your behavior, then you're not a Christian anyway. For this is the message that he, he heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. Over and over. That's the emphasis. Not as Cain, who was of the wicked one, and slew his brother, and wherefore slew he him? Because his own works were evil, and his brother's righteous. He was jealous, so he killed him. Marvel not, my brethren, if the world hate you. Like, don't be surprised, they're going to hate you. Why? Because in your behavior as a Christian, showing and sharing the light and love of Jesus Christ, you make their sins revealed. They hate that. They realize that they are doing wrong. They want to eliminate the light, so they hate you. We know that we have passed from death unto life because we love the brethren. Notice, love the brethren. He that loveth not his brother abideth in death. Whosoever hateth his brother is a murderer, and ye know that no murderer hath eternal life abiding in him. Hereby perceive we the love of God, because he hath laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. Notice, for the brethren, for the brethren. He's talking specifically here in a relationship of Christians with other Christians. But whoso hateth, excuse me, verse 17, but whoso hath this world's good and seeth his brother have need and shutteth up his bowels of compassion from him, how dwelleth the love of God in him? If you see a brother or sister in Christ in need and you merely say, well, I'll pray for you. And you don't help them in any other additional way. Of course, prayer is the greatest and best thing that you can do for someone. But here he's pointing out that if they have a need of the world's goods, that means a material need, and you have an abundance of that, and you have a brother or sister in Christ that is in need and a hardship, and then you just don't share with them, don't help them in the way that they need that kind of help, then you have lost out on the blessing. You are not showing the kind of love and you're not going to get the blessings and reinforced blessings of that abundance of stuff that you have if you don't share what the Lord has given you. I'm not saying just take everything and give it all away. Some people have gotten to that extreme. If they want to do that, that's fine. But if you have the sincere need of someone who is not just a leech, because we've seen many of them, then somebody who has a sincere need and will do it properly, use it properly to the glory of God, not just for the satisfaction of themselves, then we can reach out and help them. Now, there are many charities out there that have what you would think would be a good, worthy cause. 
But you've got to be very careful with that. Your giving needs to be in a way that contributes to the kingdom of God. Does it help spread the gospel? Does it help support Christians? Does it help convert people from sinners to Christians? If so, then you can give to that and know that you're doing a good work and you're a good steward with the blessings that the Lord has given you. But if you just go in here and give to whatever that's out there and it not be something that brings honor and glory to the Lord, you just wasted the substance that the Lord has blessed you with. Even though it might make you feel good that you've helped somebody or something, you may help somebody that is a sinner have a more comfortable, sinful life. Does that make you feel good? It shouldn't. Verse 18, My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. Don't just speak it. Show it. Perform it. And hereby we know that we are of the truth and shall assure our hearts before him. For if our heart condemn us, God is greater than our heart and knoweth all things. Beloved, if our heart condemn us not, then have we confidence toward God. Like, what's really in your heart? Do you really have that love or not? And whatsoever we ask, we receive of Him, because we keep His commandments and do those things that are pleasing in His sight. That's a powerful verse there. It lets us know that when we are in perfect alignment with the will of God, that whatever we ask, He's going to do the things that he, we ask him that are in his will. This doesn't mean that he's a little genie in a bottle. You, pop, you polish the bottle and he pops out and he gives you three wishes of whatever your desire is. That's not what he's talking about. God gives us the desires that we have when our desires are in alignment with his will for us and those around us. We can pray for things that we think we should have that are not good for us or those around us, and the Lord is not going to want to give us those things all the time. But sometimes He gives us the stuff that's against His will, but it's within His permission to allow us to have those things to teach us. Because sometimes He'll give us stuff that we ask for that we shouldn't have just so we get a lesson from it. It's kind of like when you have a little toddler and you're trying to show them how to drink out of a cup that's not a sippy cup with a little protective top, and you're holding it in front of them, and you're letting them know, take it nice and easy, and then they say, well, give it to me. And then they pull it, and they just pour it all over themselves. Well, okay, we gave it to you, they poured it all over yourself, now you learn. You can't do it like that. Sometimes the Lord gives us things that are that same way. Okay, you ask for it, and you ask for it, and ask for it. Okay, I'll give it to you, and you go find out not so good that you got it. And then we learn from that, and then we grow from that, and then we can share that with others. So it's interesting, this verse here, what the Lord gives us and doesn't give us. And how if we are in the perfect alignment and aware of the perfect will of God in our lives, we will only be asking for things that are within His will. As it continues, verse 23, And this is His commandment, that we should believe on the name of His Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another as he gave us commandment. And he that keepeth his commandments dwelleth in him, and he in him. And hereby we know that he abideth in us by the Spirit which he, gave, which he hath given us. So we know that we have a relationship because the 
Holy Ghost within us lets us know that, comforts us. Because when we become born again Christian, the Holy Ghost comes in, links up with our spirit, brings it to life. Then we become a, a trinity as well, body, soul, and spirit. Spirit once again alive. And then we have that relationship, that communion, that constant communion with the Holy Ghost, which is in constant connection with the Heavenly Father. And then we have that comfort in knowing that we got that. And He lets us know, reveal, manifest what you're speaking of. All right, roll right on into chapter 4. Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets are gone out into the world. Many false prophets. There's a lot of religions, you might say, out there. There's a lot of beliefs. There's a lot of various gods that people worship. And that's what he's cautioning about here. There are religions out there that have a very strict moral base. That if you would just look at their behavior in their moral code, you would think, well, that must be a good religion. No. If they don't have Jesus Christ in the center, it's a waste. It's of the Satan. It's a counterfeit. Believe not every spirit, but try the spirits whether they are of God. Because many false prophets have gone out into the world. Hereby know ye the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesseth that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is of God. That's the qualifier. Has it got Jesus Christ in the center? You focusing on the knowledge and understanding of Jesus Christ, who He is, what He has done, what He is doing, what He's going to do, and you believe in that, then that's a, of God. If Jesus Christ is not in it, then it's of Satan. Simple as that. There's only two, either Christian or Antichrist. And every spirit that confesseth not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is not of God. Simple as that. And this is that spirit of Antichrist, whereof ye have heard that it should come, and even now already is it in the world. This is not the Antichrist that will rule during the tribulation time. This is the spirit, the behavior, the belief system of the Antichrist. All the way back then and still going on today and even more prevalent today. Ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. That's a profound statement there. They are of the world. Therefore speak they of the world, and the world heareth them. We are of God. He that knoweth God heareth us. He that is not of God heareth not us. Hereby know we the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. The spirit of truth, the Holy Ghost. And he indwells us and he gives us understanding of what is right, what is wrong, what is true, and what is false. And when we stand up and we proclaim that and others reject that and turn against that, then we know they're not of the Lord. Beloved, let us love one another. For love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God, and knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. In this was manifested the love of God toward us, because that God sent His only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through Him. Herein is love, not that we loved God, but that 
He loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Now, propitiation is the payment, the atonement for our sins. He paid the ultimate price for all sin, all mankind, past, present, and future. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. No man hath seen God at any time. If we love one another, God dwelleth in us, and his love is perfected in us. Hereby know we that we dwell in him and he in us, because he hath given us of his spirit. We got to understand that when we have the indwelling spirit of the Holy Ghost and the love of God in us, that he can, through us, share that love. When we get ourselves out of the way, all of our shortcomings out of the way, and let the Lord come through, then he can perform things that we could not comprehend that we could ever get done because we can't get them done on our own, but with him we can. And that is by showing love for somebody that you would think you no way you could. And we have seen and do testify that the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. Whosoever shall confess that Jesus is the Son of God, God dwelleth in him, and he in God. And we have known and believed the love that God hath to us. God is love, and he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God, and God in him. Herein is our love made perfect that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Because as he is, so are we in this world. Are you ready for judgment? Are you looking forward to judgment? Are you looking forward to hearing those words, well done, thou good and faithful servant? Or are you a bit uncomfortable, a bit worried and concerned? We got to get it right, get it prayed up. Then you'll have that boldness. Therefore is no fear in love. No fear in love. But perfect love casteth out fear. Because fear hath torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. Now you've got to know what kind of fear he's talking about here. This is fear of bodily harm. This is fear of accountability and judgment. Because you've done something wrong. You haven't got it taken care of. That kind of fear. This is not talking about the reverent fear that we have for God that we need to keep all the time. We love him because he first loved us. If a man say, I love God and hateth his brother, he is a liar. For he that loveth not his brother whom he hath seen, how can he love God whom he hath not seen? And this commandment have we found, excuse me, and this commandment have we from him, that he who loveth God love his brother also. Now this, he's talking about brothers and sisters in Christ. Now the Lord has told us that we're supposed to love our enemies. We're supposed to have a concern for their well-being. We have to have a desire to spread the gospel, to share the gospel to the enemies and to the world. But the kind of love that we have for our brothers and sisters in Christ goes far beyond our concern for other people out there that have not yet become a brother and sister in Christ. There's a big difference there. We're right into chapter 5. Whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And every one that loveth him that begat loveth him also that is begotten of him. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep his commandments. 
For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments. And his commandments are not grievous. He's pointed out there. They're not harmful to us. Even if you go back and look at the 613 plus or minus statutes and ordinances of the Old Testament, even those were not grievous. They were all there to improve their relationship with each other, their relationship with God. And then now with the two great commandments that he emphasizes, they are not grievous. It does not bring up harm when we have love for others. For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world, and this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Who is he that overcometh the world, but he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God? Over and over he's emphasizing that. Jesus Christ, believing in Jesus Christ, over and over. Resist is he that came by water and blood, even Jesus Christ, not by water only, but by water and blood. And it is the Spirit that beareth witness, because the Spirit is truth. For there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost. And these three are one. The Word being capitalized there, that's Jesus Christ. you got the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Right there, all three. This is a concept that is beyond human comprehension, a trinity. Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost be yet one. In three, but yet one. There's been comparisons that you could look at, like the, the shamrock that St. Patrick used when he went to, to Ireland and helped convert the Irish people. He looked at the shamrock. You look at the shamrock, the way it's designed, it has, it's a leaf that has three lobes, but yet it's one leaf. Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Individual, but yet together. Another comparison that they use during Easter is the egg. The Easter egg, representing the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. Because you have egg shell, egg white, and egg yolk. Independently, they are egg. Together, they are one. They represent or are compared to the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. We can see those material things and look at them and say, okay, I, kinda, I can kind of comprehend that, but not fully. But we know that we... Trust in Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. He indwells us with the Holy Ghost, and He's in constant communication with the Heavenly Father. Therefore, we are tied into that Trinity. Verse 8, And there are three that bear witness in earth, the Spirit, and the water, and the blood. And these three agree in one. If we receive the witness of men, the witness of God is greater. For this is the witness of God, which he hath testified of his Son. This witness of God is the Holy Ghost communicating to us. He that believeth on the Son of God hath the witness in himself. He that believeth not God hath made him a liar, because he believeth not the record that God gave of his Son. And this is the record that God hath given to us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. He that hath not the Son hath, excuse me, verse 12, He that hath the Son hath life, and he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. Simple as that. You're either born again, you have eternal life, or you don't. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that ye may know that ye have eternal life, and that ye may believe on the name of the Son of God. Letting us know there 
given us the confidence. So when we study the Word of God, then we can have that confidence. We can have that hope. We can have that anticipation of the fulfillment of all that. When we believe on the name of the Son of God, Jesus Christ. Now, there are fanatics out there that try to say that, okay, you can't use the term or the name Jesus Christ. It has to be Yahshua. Well, what is Yahshua? Yahshua is the Hebrew, which means in the Old Testament it was Joshua, translated in Joshua. Yahshua, but Joshua is the way we usually use it. And then you go to the New Testament in the Greek, Jesus. Same name, Jesus, Joshua, Yahshua, all the same thing. How you pronounce it doesn't matter. It's what you are communicating in your heart. The acknowledgement of the Son of God. You can call him Fred if you want. It doesn't matter. What you call him as far as the verbalization of the name isn't what matters. It's what is in the heart. Your relationship with the Son of God in his finished work. That's what is belief in. By living in Jesus Christ, his finished work. That's what he's talking about is you may believe on the name of the Son of God, His substance. And this is the confidence that we have in Him, that if we ask anything according to His will, He heareth us. Emphasizing what He said earlier there, His will. And if we know that He hear us whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desire of Him. If any man see his brother a sin, a sin which is not unto death, he shall ask, and he shall give him life for them that sin not unto death. There is a sin unto death. I do not say that he shall pray for it. This sin unto death has been interpreted a, diff- a few different ways, but primarily this is speaking about somebody who has committed a sin that has either led them to death, they died in the action of that sin. There's no way you can pray for them because they're already dead. And another belief is that this is a sin that has resulted in them being one of the ones they call reprobate or being one of the ones that God has closed the door to. There's no hope for the people that have reached that point and, and we cannot pray for them. But we've got to be very careful. We cannot determine who is reprobate and who is not. Therefore, we need to pray for everybody. All unrighteousness is sin and there is a sin not unto death. We know that whatsoever is born of God... Excuse me. We know that whosoever is born of God sinneth not, but he that is begotten of God keepeth himself, and that wicked one toucheth him not. There again, go back to that behavior. And we know that we are of God, and the whole world lieth in wickedness. And we know that the Son of God is come, and hath given us an understanding, that we may know him that is true, and we are in him that is true, even in His Son, Jesus Christ. This is the true God and eternal life. Little children, keep yourselves from idols. Amen. John reaching out to the Christians there, giving them some instructions, focusing on the great commandments of love. We do that, then we are expressing our relationship with the Lord and know that we can continue that right to the point of having that glorious body that He speaks of. And be able to be with Him for eternity. We have a lot of opportunities to share the gospel. We should take those. And to share the blessings that the Lord has given us as well with the brothers and sisters in Christ.
Let's pray. Lord Jesus and Heavenly Father, we truly thank you for your words. So much guidance that we can find when we dig in there and, and study it. And the knowledge that we can have that we truly know we have eternal life. Help us always stay hungry to dig into there and find that. And in, in turn, be interested in going out and sharing it with others as well. Motivate us to do that and give us the boldness to proclaim you as our Lord and Savior every opportunity that comes our way. Thank you all so much for all of it. As we pray in Jesus' precious holy name, amen. Thank you all.